Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, beautiful Sunday morning. How you doing, buddy? Bill, it's a great Sunday morning. I woke up early and I clipped coupons uh, in the Juosco app. Not a sponsor, but they could be. Uh, and I have some phenomenal deals coming up this week at the grocery okay. store. I can get uh, strawberries for 99 cents. That one's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, those Nors stovetop sides, I can get four for four. Um, okay. And cauliflower is 49 cents a pound. So uh, this yeah. is, of course, very interesting content to a lot of people, but I'm very excited about Agreed. it. Uh, what what was what was the name of that app so I can download it immediately? Uh, Jewel Osco. I don't know if that's a, what's the grocery store in Columbus. Are you guys Kroger Country? What oh, do we have there? Oh, it's a we have uh, Kroger and we have Giant Eagle. We actually have Giant. So Giant Eagle try has tried to like spin off Giant Eagle and do this thing called Market District that tries to be a nicer version oh. of Giant Eagle, which like kind of does that. Uh, but also, I went to Wegmans uh, oh, up elite. in Buffalo mm-hmm. last week and. Uh, it really hammered home how Giant Eagle is deci- or Market District is decidedly not Wegmans, even though that is very much the vibe uh, that that they are going for. But uh, we sit here and talk about grocery stores, about deals, all these sorts of things all day, Matt. Uh, and we have all day to do it it's because unlike usual, we are recording this on Sunday morning as opposed to doing it on Sunday evening and posting it on uh, Monday morning. Because uh, we're here to talk about Penn State's 30-13 to 13 win over the Illinois Fighting Line. Nittany Lions moved to 3-0 of the season, 1-0 in conference play by going into Champaign. And it's interesting, Matt, because I think everyone, I think a lot of people expected Penn State to go in and play a gross, sluggish, uh, Big Ten road opener against a team uh, who whose pride was hurt last week. Levin Amble, he like, Everything pointed to this game being essentially this exact kind of game. And then we sat through it, and it wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but they were able to go out and get the job done. It felt like a beatdown, Bill, that never got out of first gear, if that makes any Uh sense. Like, it really just felt like a... It felt like an 11 a.m. local time kick against a Big Ten West foe in September. Like, it felt like it was a boring game. It felt like Penn State played a very boring brand of football on purpose, uh, and they got the job done. Like, you know, anytime you can go on the road and win a game by three scores in the Big Ten, that's a humongous win for your program. I know it didn't mm-hmm. look pretty. I think that maybe the way they won week one and week two kind of shifted expectations, but if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that Penn State's going to win by three scores at Illinois— you know, I would have been over the moon. And I feel like, you know, after sleeping on it, I feel really good about the way that game played out. It looked a little gross, but good teams find ways to win. And I think Penn State has won three different ways in each of their three yeah. games. And I love the fact that that's the case. It, you have to go back a little bit to this one, but it reminded me a bit, you know, it, it, a little bit different because uh, Illinois was able to get within one score uh, as the second half came along, but it reminded mm-hmm. me a bit of the Penn State hit game in 2017 when they played in Beaver Stadium. Penn State wins 33 to 14. Uh, Pitt, th- this wasn't the case here. Pitt outgained them by 30 yards, uh, turned the ball over three times to Penn State's one. There were just, it, it was a gross, sluggish uh, game where also. It looked like Penn State was able to keep their opponent at arm's length for all of it. I, was there was there ever a point, Matt, thinking back on this, looking back on this, remembering what you were feeling 
in the moment where you were like, uh, you know what? I, I don't feel great. I feel like there's a chance that this could go a little bit off the rails. I think like the three plays, Bill, before the Johnny Dixon pick, when Illinois, I think it was after the block kick. First of all, Johnny Newton, congratulations. You just played Boy. yourself. You probably already had a first round contract, but congratulations, man. That dude is a ball player. I was blown away by how talented he is, dude. He's got go-go gadget arms. Like that dude is yeah. lanky and powerful. Um, and I yeah, can rave about. I could do a whole podcast raving about Johnny Newton, man. That dude was a menace yeah, wanna, for Penn State. I'll, I'll, just to disrupt you quick, Mel yeah, go put for out it. his new big board. Put out his new big board earlier this week uh, and had Newton as the number twenty player he, in this higher draft than that class. Now. If, you, if you go down to defensive tackles, he's the number one defensive tackle in this class. Like he's one hell. He he gave he gave Penn State's defensive line and as a result, Penn State's running game and as a result, Drew Auer all they can handle. What a player he was. Yeah, um, but but to go back to your point, I think that those like four plays before that Dixon pick where the offense for Illinois looked like they were getting in a rhythm, uh, I was a little bit nervous. First of all, Falcons hitting the 45-yarder really put a lot it of is. things at ease for me. My, my kicking questions are kind of relieved for, it, for the moment. I mean, the block kick wasn't great, but it sounds like Falcons knew the angle he hit it at wasn't great. Uh, but, you know, long-winded way of saying there was about four plays in this game total where I felt like Penn State was not going to be able to control what was happening. Uh, and Dixon had a great pick, and it kind of alleviated that concern for me. Yeah, for me, coming right out of halftime, Penn State gets the ball. They give it to Catron now, and he runs it for five yards. Uh, second and five, putting them in the kind of situation that they want to be in. You get a, uh -huh. a good gain on first down. It makes second and third down easier. Aller throws a couple of incompletions from there. They punt the ball back. Illinois gets the ball. And that's when I felt a little bit nervous just uh -huh. because we saw that first drive that Illinois had on the day. They were able to move the ball really well. Oh, yeah. Say. Just first time out there, script all scripted plays. Boom, boom, boom. Get down the field quick. Know exactly what they want to do. Maybe they scheme something up uh, in the locker room at halftime. And they throw in it. Ugo Meyer, I think, throws his third interception there. I think uh, yeah, Dixon, Dixon was number three I, because Carter was one yeah. and Hardy was two. Yeah, Hardy was two. Yeah, so he ends up throwing uh, what would have been his third interception uh, on that one. Penn State gets the ball and then they go three and out. But at that point, like at just at that point, it felt like Penn State's defense had such a vice grip on this game, Matt that there was next to nothing that Illinois was going to be able to do. They they scored. Uh, they had that touchdown drive in uh, in the second quarter that was kind of sparked by a couple, you know, big passing plays that they otherwise weren't getting. Otherwise, they couldn't do much of anything against Penn State's defense. They bring in their backup quarterback uh, late in the second, you know, in, late in the fourth quarter. They end up getting a score there, making it a little bit more respectable than it should have been. But, I want to start there. We, You know, a lot of times we start with the offense, go with the defense. I want to start with Penn State's defense because yeah. Penn State's offense did not have a very good game, and we will get to that in a second. But outside of the fact that Illinois was able to move the ball a little bit, and I do think that's kind of by design with how they do things on offense, mm -hmm. they just got nothing against this Penn State defense. There's one stat that but I kind of want to get your thoughts on do you know what Illinois time of possession in this game was 
Well, I'm looking at it right now, so okay. you can go so ahead and say it. It's a hair over 28 minutes, so let's call it, for all intents and purposes, it's 50-50. Penn State and Illinois each had the ball, you know, half of the time. Penn State only allowed 62 rushing yards. The secondary, yeah. rightfully so, is going to get all the attention this week because when you force, you know, four turn or five turnovers total and four of them are picks, that group deserves to be talked about. But this run defense going out there and controlling that flow of the game was really impressive. I can't imagine another team in college football this year is going to be able to hold the ball for essentially half of the game and not break 100 yards rushing. Those two stats do not intersect normally. So that front seven is finding a groove and finding a rhythm. And I think a big part of that is the return of Keziah Izzard. He had two sacks in the game. One was in garbage time. I get it. But he changes the dynamic of that defense and that defensive front a lot. Hakeem Beeman, I thought, <laughs> played pretty well. Kobe King, I thought, played pretty well. Abdul Carter had a solid game. Overall, it looks like that that unit we were worried about is showing signs of life and signs of improvement. And I feel like if you take out that one yard against Delaware, this run defense is playing about as good as we could imagine to start this season. So that's one thing I want to make sure I hit on. And then the secondary teams are afraid yeah. to throw at Kalen King. That's clearly what it is. They're going to try Daquan Hardy. They're going to try Johnny Dixon. Good luck. That seems like a really risky plan. And even Cam Miller got involved in that action too. It really feels like this defense is hitting its stride. Of course, they gave up some big plays. Of course, there were some third and intermediates where Illinois receivers found soft coverage. The defense is kind of designed for that, I think. But Penn State, in a pretty Brent Pry-esque kind of way, bent and didn't break and forced turnovers and got off the field. It was a pretty good performance for Manny Diaz's unit overall. I really liked what they gave this week. Yeah, same. I, I, I think that... I think they really benefited from the fact that Illinois still isn't 100% sure, I think, what it wants to be as a football team. They're in that, like... They don't know yet. Weird yeah. Tra- yeah, they're in that transition from, like, Brett Bielema ball, we're going to put a bunch of 350-pound offensive linemen up there, we're going to push you back in the line of scrimmage, uh, and we're going to be able to get whatever we want. And they had, they had that for such a long time, and they're now switching to kind of this more, like, Spread look, we're going to throw it. A Brett Bielema team threw the football 44 times and ran it 29. And I think, uh, you know, obviously there are a couple of sacks uh, that get thrown thrown into that. But they tried throwing. They thought their path to salvation against this Penn State team was throwing the football. Even though uh, their number one back, Reggie Love, 12 carries, 55 yards, 4.6 yards a carry, one touchdown, had, a, had a, an okay game. He's a I player. They just, I, I think Reggie Love can yeah. play. Yeah. Yeah. He had he had 20 of those yards on that like third and 22 uh, where he picked it up. So, you know, take that out 11 for 35, which isn't near, you know, not quite as impressive, but he's still like a big physical bruising running back. And I say all that to say this, a great team is going to realize or a great defense is going to realize that the offense is trying to do something and just snuff it out completely. And Illinois, partially because they went behind and had to move the ball, partially because, or had to throw the ball, partially because it seemed like they really wanted uh, to just play really fast and catch Penn State's defense on its heels, threw it a ton. With a guy in Luke Altmeyer who, uh, you know, he's not great, but is a former blue chip prospect. 
And whenever he put the ball in a position for Penn State's defensive players to make plays, Penn State's defensive players went out there and made plays. And uh, I, 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 I just think, Matt, that if we're talking about the best version of a Manny Diaz defense, we are talking about a team that do, a defense that does what this Penn State team did. They are currently, uh, I'm pulling all the numbers up uh, right now. They are currently 15th nationally in sacks with Ted. They are currently uh, 38th in tackles for loss with 20. They are currently second in the, and a big part of this is because of what uh, how the offense has been able to take care of the football. They are currently third nationally in turnover margin uh, with seven. Like they are doing every, they're kind of the fully actualized version of a Manny Diaz defense in week three. And obviously, Matt, stuff they need to clean up in terms of allowing teams to move the ball a little bit on them. But when they are put being put in positions to make plays, they are going out there and make plays. And I think that's all you can ask for. Yeah, they made their money on money downs. I think most of the turnovers happened on third down. Uh, I know the Abdul Carter pick was on third down. I feel like the Cam Miller pick was also on third down. Manny Diaz wants to get teams off rhythm and behind the sticks. He said in interviews, that's when the chaos can happen. And he created chaos. <laughs> You know, the the defensive front set the back seven up to go out there and to make plays and give credit. I love the fact that they had four interceptions by four different players, three different cornerbacks who play very different styles, and Abdul Carter gets involved in the action too. This was a really awesome step forward for this defense. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the floodgates of turnovers are now going to start opening. I think it's going to make future opponents, future quarterbacks especially, hold the ball for a second longer and... I mean, Penn State's three games in. They already got to 10 sacks. They're on pace for 40. I think as this defensive line gets more comfortable, that's really going to start ramping up too. So it's just, uh, you know, you can only say great things about Manny Diaz's defense this week. And I just love the fact that he gets his chance to shine after I feel like the offense was the one who got all the praise those first two weeks. I think a lot of us, or at least I kind of did, forgot how good this defense can really be. And they really showed it this week. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they did the Manny Diaz defense thing, which mm -hmm. there was a 120-yard run in there. There was a 47-yard uh, reception. There was a 32-yard reception. There was a 30-yard reception. There was a 26-yard reception. They allowed a couple of those chunk plays, and Manny Diaz's idea of how to play defense is that's going to happen mm -hmm. every now and then, but we will offset that by making so many big plays plays by getting to your quarterback so frequently by bottling up your running and that was that was very impressive to me there were times where it didn't look like Illinois was able to get any sort of push against Penn State's front which huge 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 development for them we're going to obviously see how that uh goes along but mm -hmm. you're not going to be we're going to bottle up your running game like that we're going to um we're going to force turnovers we're going to get your quarterback we're going to do all those sorts of things it was great seeing that the one concern that I had, uh, to an extent, Matt, uh, how worried are you about how uh, missed tackle they were for stretches of this game? You know, it sucks. It's bad angles a lot of the time, I felt, especially on those little tunnel screens. It's just dudes overplaying it. Um, and I think that's kind of the Diaz style right now, especially when you have a guy who's already in his own head with multiple turnovers. 
I would rather them be over aggressive than, you know, a little bit too conservative because yeah. the, the big plays are showing up. I get wanting to create more. You know, the good news is I think you have a lot of time to work it out before you face a high-powered offense again. Definitely something I'm watching, but I usually give it about a month into the season before teams can start to figure that out, and we're at week four already. So I think we're going to see this team become a lot more uh, sure-tackling in nature here in the coming weeks. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, like, write it off as nothing, no. but when when the guys in your front, the guys that you're banking on in your front seven your defense tackles, your defensive ends, your linebackers are the guys who are blatantly missing tackles, uh, or they're wrapping a dude up and a guy's just getting through it. That like that's a concern to me. When it's like I hate saying this because you know we're going to see a team this week in Iowa that is really good at this. But when it's guys in your back seven, your 185 pound cornerbacks who are unable to take down a 220 pound running back, I get it a little bit more. I don't like it, but I get it a little bit more. Uh, it's still something I think they really need to clean up. I, I I, think that if they can get that one thing solved, and like you mentioned, as they get into the season more and more, I think that's something that will come around. Like, like you said, angles will get a little bit better. They'll get a little bit more comfortable taking guys down, all these sorts of things. Uh, I, I think that will resolve itself, and we'll see a Penn State defense that for how good they have been through three weeks, uh, allowing West Virginia to score 15 points, allowing Delaware to score seven points, allowing Illinois to score 13 points, uh, with West Virginia and Illinois getting 14 of their points combined in garbage time, <laughs> this defense can still get better. And it's kind of scary to say that, but this defense can still get better. Uh, any final thoughts on the defense where we move on to what's next, Matt? No, it was great to see, again, Izzard, Vanover, and Hardy come back and uh, and make some plays. And credit to Don DeLuca. Once again, I feel like every single week I'm like, oh, he's just a fun story. Uh, that bend that he got on that forced fumble where he just ducks down under, I believe, a pulling offensive lineman and knocks the ball free, very cool play. Uh, it, it's awesome that that dude is like a legitimate player. I'm really impressed with what he gave them. Yeah, I want to... Uh... I think that as long as he is out there with Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs or two of one of those dudes and Kobe King, something like that, he's a really good player. It's when it's like him and Tyler Elston and one of those guys that I get a little bit concerned just because I don't know if there's enough athleticism for them to do that. Uh, Elston, by the way, uh, this comes from uh, PFF. Only 11 snaps on the day, uh, 10 on passing plays, one on running plays. I, I, I'll have to go back and pay attention to this, but it seems like he only got in uh, in garbage time, and uh, Kobe King has really made that middle linebacker spot his own. So uh, that's a nice thing to see. Uh, and also, speaking of nice things to see, Matt, uh, I have a quick story about my girlfriend, if you'll let me tell it. Please, go ahead. So uh, my lovely girlfriend had a long day at work earlier this week, going over the course of her day. She starts getting a little bit tired, a little bit dreary. Uh, COVID cases starting to spike back up. There's a new vaccine. Go get it. I'm getting mine on Monday. All these sorts of things. And she says, I'm not feeling great. Can you give me a COVID test? I say, sure. I go to Target. I pick one up. I run it over to her place. And she says, I got something for you. I hand her the COVID test. And then for our YouTube viewers, you will see this. She hands me this. It's a little thing that says to get back in the game from a thing called Home Field Apparel which of course is the sponsor 
of this podcast. Home Field Apparel has been uh, our sponsor ever since we decided to go podcast only, and they have been nothing but great for us, and they've been nothing but great for college sports fans, particularly Penn State fans. They have an unbelievable collection of Penn State merchandise. They have t-shirts, they have crew necks, they have quarter zips. Uh, they just have everything that you could possibly want if you want to add something a little bit different to your Penn State collection that doesn't look like the generic Nike stuff that you get in uh, that that you get in any sort of store downtown or something like that. Homefield Apparel, all their designs are really great. They take the time to make sure that they're doing something that makes you feel really close to your school, makes you interested in maybe learning a little bit more about your school or other schools. Matt, are you uh, currently rocking any home field apparel? Uh, you better believe I am. I am rocking my uh, my off-white Penn State shirt. Again, I've said it many times. This is like my favorite shirt in the collection. It's like that or the Nittany Lions script logo. Uh, and I made sure to throw it on right before we got on recording. And I'm going to rock it all day today because as an Illinois resident, an Illinois taxpayer, uh, I get to stunt all week. So that's very exciting. I hope I get to do that in a month. Uh, I'm currently wearing my Take Me to Happy Valley t-shirt underneath uh, the hoodie that I am currently wearing. Wore it out to the bar last night. Nice. Uh, because my brother and I went to uh, my brother and I went to the West brother-in-law and I went to the West Virginia bar uh, around here. He is, of course, a big West Virginia fan, and uh, West Virginia fans had a really good night last night. So had that on underneath a bit of what WBU gear that I was wearing last night, but. I can always go for some more home field apparel. I'm sure you could always go for some more home field apparel if you have ever purchased anything from them. If you have it and you want to get 10% off of your first order, use the promo code RLR23. Again, first-time customers, first order, 10% off. Use the promo code RLR23. doesn't have to be Penn State merch. It could be merch from anything in their collection. Use that promo code. Thank us later. Thank you to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. As always, uh, what did Indiana do? yesterday uh because they, they covered uh, they against louisville indiana fan. they covered great teams cover Ugh, even if disgusting. it means go- dropping to one yuck uh you know do you know who they have next week oh do i know who they have next week um i do not it's an old friend oh my god i i have no i actually have no idea where you're going with this the the mighty akron zips oh joe, joe moorhead joe nice. moorhead Walking into Bloomington, uh, respectfully, I will be rooting for Joe Moorhead, but I'm always rooting for Joe Moorhead, so whatever. Uh, Gotta be. Speaking of Joe Moorhead, uh, I think it's time we talk about Penn State's offense. Love uh, it. Penn State on the day, 383 yards of total offense, uh, ran for 4.1 yards per carry, threw for 5.9 yards per pass. And Matt, here's my overarching thought on Penn State's offense in this game. Drew Howard did not play well. No, he did The not. offensive line did not play well. No, the they running did not. backs struggled to really get much of anything going. The wide receivers and tight ends didn't have their best game, uh, in large part, I think, because Trey Wallace wasn't out there, and I think he's just such a security blanket. And mm-hmm. in spite of all of that, they still put, had 383 total yards on the road in their Big Ten opener. They still put up 30 total points and were, while they struggled... I don't think that's necessarily a huge deal, a huge concern, anything like that. What say you? Yeah, so we'll go positives first. One sack allowed against that front. Pretty good. Agreed. I'll take that. That's not a bad Agreed. day at the office at all. What was the tackle for loss breakdown? Let me see if I can find that somewhere. I don't believe Illinois uh, really... Sorry, God. Illinois had four tackles for loss. Okay, that's not that's not awful with a guy yeah, being I'm not, as I'm, disruptive. I'm not sure. 
as Johnny Newton. Worth yeah. saying, I'm not sure how many of those came like once Bo Prabula came in and mm-hmm. Penn State was just exclusively running the football. But yeah, four tackles for loss on that day. Yep. Uh, Aller struggled, but I want to say that's a great way to struggle. I think it's really beneficial that against a defense mm-hmm. that's that good, he had no turnovers. And I think his struggles, Bill, in, maybe I have a poor read on this. I really don't think he made very many bad decisions. I think a lot of it was drops contributed to that for sure. And his receivers just didn't get open. There wasn't that many opportunities, I think, to make those kind of plays. I think he struggled in a very exciting way, we'll call it, for lack of a better term. I really don't think he was fooled by anything Illinois threw at him. I don't really felt like he put the ball in danger very often. A couple miscommunications, you know, again, a couple drops, but I really don't think Aller was all that confused by what was in front of him. I I just thought it was kind of just the flow of the game. Guys just didn't get open, and that's promising. I like that he's taking care of the football. Running backs, Singleton, I think, had a better day than I remembered. Him catching the ball, I think, is a really fun development. The past couple weeks, yeah. they've done this weird little uh, slip mid-curl with Singleton where he kind of just flows out of the backfield right behind the tackle and sits kind of in between the hashes from four yards out. And they hit on that again. On a third and one, Singleton goes across and Auer hits him in the flats. Singleton, you can tell, is not very comfortable catching the football yet, but I don't think he had any drops, so we'll take that. You know, if you're going to struggle, struggle when you score 30 points. I will absolutely take yeah. that. they got to capitalize yeah. more. Um, and one thing I want to make sure I hit on, I will count this as the third week in a row Penn State had a, su- a successful two-minute drive to end a half. They didn't get points against West Virginia because the field goal was missed. Offense scoring drive to me in that case. Against Delaware, Tyler Warren touchdown with under like 30 seconds to play. In this one, you get the Falcons field goal going into the half. That is now three consecutive weeks with scoring drives to end the half in that two minutes. Great development. I love what they're doing. Again, if you're going to struggle, struggle in this environment, rely on what you have. And I think Aller's really going to benefit from watching this tape. It's good to have guys struggle. And if you're going to learn a lesson, I love learning the lesson in a three-score win with no turnovers. Yeah, I, I, I disagree a bit on Aller, and here's why. I think okay. it was something, it was a quicksand game for him, mm-hmm. where stuff just started piling up. And there were a couple of drops in there. Uh, the, the drops, I think, were the big thing. He, yep. you know, hits, he could try throwing it more perfectly for Malik McLean next time, and maybe he'll catch it then. Uh, but a couple of drops by him. There was that drop by Katron Allen, which was a, re- like, I'm not, I'm a little more forgiving in that just because yep. that's a really tough play to ask Katron yeah, Allen to make. But Aller drops it in the bread basket. Pretty throw. So, Pretty throw. It was a beautiful, beautiful throw. Also kind of gets to why I'm like a little queasy about them throwing out of that team formation. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just, a, it, it could be a really hard thing to throw out of. But for the most part, those things happen. Mm-hmm. Those things happen. And then Illinois' defensive line finds its footing a bit. They start to win a bit against Penn State's offensive line. And... As a result of that, Auer gets sped up a little bit. Auer gets, he, he, you know, he starts second-guessing and questioning things a little bit. And it's great that he didn't turn the ball over. There was that one, I think he threw to Dante Cephas, where, like, either Cephas couldn't reel it in or came up too hot on him, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a guy from Illinois very easily could have picked it. He was fortunate not to get that pick there. Uh, but 
as the game started to go along, as Illinois' defensive line started to win more, as those drops piled up, he got sped up a little bit in a way that we haven't seen yeah. mm-hmm. And that's why he misses stuff like the obvious touchdown to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Yep. Why he's missing a couple, missing throws in a few different ways that you normally wouldn't expect out of him. Mm-hmm. And instead of having the... You know, I, I didn't think he was very good. He completed something like 48.4% of his passes. And I say all of that to say this. I think that's fine. I yeah. don't think that is a problem. I don't think that is a big concern. This is the first road Big Ten start he has ever had. And it was against a team that came into this game really licking their wounds after getting embarrassed the last couple of weeks. And were led by a defensive front that had a couple of NFL guys on. I think they also yep. got uh they they got one of their star uh players back from injury. Uh I think it was Mile or Matthew Bailey uh gives them a little bit of a boost as well. Like they they played the game selling out against the running game for Penn State, which did generally well for them. 24 carries, 91 yards for two touchdowns by Penn State starting running backs. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to try and speed Drew Aller up, which worked for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think through three weeks, Penn State's offense should be a finished product. No. I don't think by three weeks, Drew Aller should have such a total mastery of college football that nothing rattles him, nothing shakes him, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. What I think happened yesterday, Matt, was he faced a little bit of adversity in a situation where he should face adversity. Yep. And it meant he didn't have a good game, but to you take all of that and then you go, okay, didn't turn the ball over, didn't make too many like, oh my God, what the hell are you doing? You're like, you're living dangerously throughs. <laughs> and he managed to get out of there in the fourth. He didn't play in the fourth quarter, which is wild. <laughs> He played three quarters of this football game. I think, who did, was, I, who did I hear right. say this? He's thrown two passes in fourth quarters so far all season long. Um, I don't know how you can have an issue with an offense when that's the case. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you t- I, I will, I will, fi- I, I apologize for this. Started the fourth quarter, he completes a pass to Dante Sivas, then Nick Singleton runs for a touchdown, then, the, then Bo Pabula comes in. <laughs> so, you take that, you say in the bad game, in the environment designed for him to have a bad game, Penn State won 30-13, to 13, and they need to clean stuff up in the short field. They need to clean up some stuff in the red zone. He needs to take what he saw and kind of internalize it and get better for it. He's mm-hmm. going to get, he hopefully gets his safety blanket and trade Wallace back next week. And as a result, I don't have long-term concern. Like this no, game, you can't. I don't think my... I don't think my opinion of Penn State changed and Penn State's offense changed, Matt, based off of this game. No. Um, I want to make sure we shout out Trey Potts. It's cool that he got involved yeah. with the passing touchdown. Uh, Bill, how many players on Penn State's roster have career passing touchdowns? Do you know? Uh, I would... Drew Auer, Trey Potts, Keandre Lambert-Smith, so three. And Bo. Bo threw one last. And Bo, four. I, I, I wasn't sure if you're going to remember the Keandre one. Uh, that's cool. Like, yeah. it's fun that your yeah. such's offense involves, like... Dude's having fun, like schoolyard football every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Tyler Warren, number one overall pick. People forget. Uh, now le- tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns. Um, that's fun. Real, Tyler real, Warren's a good real quick, player. Real quick, on that 
on that play, did you also scream, oh, he's throwing this? Oh, yeah. Uh, the second, yeah. Like, I I often wonder how I am able to see these things and I'm just mm-hmm. some idiot on the couch. And what, because the entire thing, it comes down to how the offensive line is blocking it, right? Right. Like, the offensive line is in pass pro the entire way. And meanwhile, Tyler Warren is able to get wide open. Behind. Like, I will never understand that. But I also, also uh, them uh, putting play, pots I saw playing football in fourth grade. So, yeah, whatever. Th- them putting pots in a little bit earlier on that drive was like, oh, that's cool. They're giving him some run. The starters don't have any juice. Uh, that was very clearly to lull Illinois into like some complacency. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great play. Like, I don't, Potts, I think, said he never played quarterback at any level. Uh, and it wasn't the prettiest <laughs> throw, but it got the job done. And we'll take that. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to Trey Potts. It's really cool that the Pennsylvania native gets his shot. Uh, to contribute mm-hmm. in a big time, that was a pretty pretty big time spot in the in the context of yeah. what the score was at that point. So, yeah, cool especially, moment, especially yeah. considering Penn State's red zone woes mm-hmm. earlier in the game, being able to like mm-hmm. being able to kind of figure something out and have it be in in that kind of that that manner was pretty cool. Also, Potts has played like what do you think, Bill? Under thirty snaps as a Penn State football player, and having that trust in him already is cool. Like that's just again a really cool moment for both those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I want to ask about. So I think you and I probably agree. Uh, Penn State's receiving core, not the best game. No, uh, but Trey Wallace not being there, re- I, I think, really did impact them. Uh, Mari Evans, I think, is still. Have, yeah, I think yeah. Mari Evans might still be a little bit reeled in for a while. He wasn't on the injury report. Oh my goodness, Jersey, Jersey's got a lot to say. What the he- What the hell is happening? Come here, come here. I didn't think I didn't think Penn State's receivers were that bad, dude. Okay, uh, yeah, Malik <laughs> McLean just holds on to the football a couple of times in this game. I do think starts to feel a little bit different because that helps uh, that helps Drew Aller out considerably. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to talk about Penn State's offensive line. Yeah, wait, real How quick. Can I, can I give one receiver a shout out quick? Is it Caden Saunders? It's Caden Saunders, dude. New career high. Had a ten yard reception, two catches. You know, my dad coached high school basketball for a long time, and he would always tell me. You know, if a player gets gives me three good minutes one night, next game, I'll trot him out there for four. I think that might mm-hmm. be the Caden Saunders approach. Caden Saunders gives you, you know, two good catches and like 12 good reps. Go out there again. Let's see him get 15 reps in the next game. Clearly, there is a void at Penn State's receiver that needs to be filled. I think Caden Saunders, it's a small step, but took a step yeah. forward this week. And he, and he had one good, tw- you know, 20 or so yard punt return mm-hmm. also, which that's that. That's kind of why I wanted him to be their return guy. I wanted yep. him to be in situations where he's going to get on the field, he's going to get the football, he's going to do something and have mm-hmm. to do something, and turn and maybe turn that into, uh, you know, a few more snaps as a receiver. Especially because you look through uh, Penn State's options as slot guys, Dante Cephas, uh, still getting his footing, uh, mm-hmm. still trying to figure things out there. Uh, Liam Clifford, nice player, but certainly not a. Nice player, Drew Auer trusts him, but certainly not a guy who, like, is going to be catching the ball 20, you know, 10, 15 times a game or anything like that. Yep. So there are snaps to be had. I do think we need to give Liam Clifford and Drew Auer credit for yep. his one reception. On that two-minute drill, Auer just drops it in the bucket. Clifford goes there and gets it. So there mm-hmm. are snaps to be had for Caden Saunders, uh, especially if, uh, Mo- you know, Malik McLean's issues are something he maybe carries with him, and you have to play Keandre Lambert-Smith uh out wide and on the slot as much. Mm-hmm. So there's not there are opportunities for guys, still going to be opportunities for guys, especially next week you have to really good Iowa defense. And you know, if you could start to if you could take advantage of opportunities against teams like Illinois on the road and Iowa at home, 
that is going to lead to really good things for you a little bit farther down the line. Yes. Agreed. So, yeah, so offensive line, uh, what do you think? Are you are you concerned? Do you think it was just a bad day at the office? Like what 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 say you about Penn State's uh Penn State's front? They need to be better. You know, let's not beat around the bush. They need to be better. If Penn State wants to make the run we think they're capable of, that unit needs to play better. I will say playing against, I think, the best defensive linemen they're going to play against and only allowing one sack is a good step forward. But run blocking, I just don't think is there yet. They've got to get better. That, you know, that Olu's a pro. I think the guys along the interior are potential pros, but they're not sure things. Like, that's clearly the weakness of this unit. They've got to clean a lot up. Uh, Not a lot of penalties, like not a lot of holding, I didn't think, which they could have easily have done. There was definitely some of that in there, but nothing crazy. There was was that that Olu play where he got beat pretty good, yeah. But there was also that terrible, like, unsportsmanlike against, uh, I think, Caden. DeAndre. There was a bet. Well, no, there was also a penalty against Caden Wallace that was, like, bad. Yeah. Like, the the, the refs, uh, we'll we'll talk about it in a sec. The refs had a uh, burn the tape kind of game. Yeah, not great uh, for either team, I didn't think. Uh, But, you know, the offensive line, they have to get better. They have enough guys now. They'll get there. This was a great unit. I think it was their first really big test. Uh, But again, I think they're going to play two of the three best defensive lines in their schedule in these next two weeks in that Illinois and Iowa. So get through it, learn what you have to learn, and hopefully they just go out there and they're able to control the flow of that interior defensive line next week against Iowa. Yeah, and this this was kind of why coming into the season, I thought that this was going to be one, James Franklin's best offensive line, uh, and two... That might mean they're just a seven out of ten. Uh, I like they had an okay game. Like they weren't very good. Uh, you go through and you look at their performance. It just wasn't quite what you want out of an offensive line. And I think it was kind of indicative of Penn State's offense in general in the day, where it was just a sluggish performance. Maybe against an a defense that they thought they'd be able to move the ball pretty easily against. And as a result. Illinois was able to grow into that game, grow a little bit confident. Uh, they got beat over and over again by Johnny Newton. I, I, there's no other way to say it. That guy just ate basically anyone he was put up against lunch. Like He had himself a big game, and a big part of that was because Penn State's offensive line couldn't block him. And I think that it's a concern. I think that Penn State's offensive line has a step forward that they can take. Mm-hmm. That red zone, that drive in the red zone uh, early on where it went that T formation stuffed, T formation throw it, T formation stuffed field goal. That was embarrassing. That was something that they have to clean. They have to be better in those kinds of situations. I'm so, surprised they didn't try to sneak it there. I'll be honest. I thought they really were just going to do it our three times as a sneak. He's 6'5". I was, I was kind of surprised by that. But again, that's the I, yeah. disruptiveness of Johnny Newton. Yeah, well, I think that was part of it, and I also think that, like, they just don't run sneaks out of that a ton. They mm-hmm. use that a lot to just get the, spring their fullback, uh, spring their uh, running backs, but I think that they ran, I think they ran one or two of those with Aller, uh, and that needs to be a club that they pull out of the bag a little bit more frequently. I know, like yep. you mentioned, he's, he's a huge dude. You have to trust him to be able to pick up a yard, especially if uh, the guys behind him can run up and just push him like that. So, mm-hmm. There's that. Um, 
Anything else you want to talk about with Penn State's offense? Uh, Aller scrambles, I thought were really impressive. Yeah. I like he keeps his eyes down. Wasn't, it wasn't pre- it wasn't very pretty, no, but it, it was effective. And no, and and Aller really does do a great job. And I think Penn State quarterbacks have always done this, like dating back to McSorley, of keeping their eyes downfield as long as possible. And I thought Aller did a really good job of that. And then being smart about when he took off and ran. And there's a certain play I think on like third and five where he just goes Josh Allen mode. Uh, and he just says, I'm 6'5", 240, and I will not be stopped right now. And he barely got a first down. That's a great mm-hmm. sign. I love that. I hope there's more of that. Um, and just a lot to grow on. That was good decision-making by the first-time starter on the road. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple of other quick things I just want to mention uh, before we get into game balls, early mm-hmm. Iowa vibe chip, all that sort of thing. One, um, Alex Felkins, I, I, I think, deserves Money from a 45. Shot. Dude, yeah, yeah, he definitely deserves a shout out here. Three for four, uh, made kicks from 45, made a couple of shorter kicks, and then uh, an effort from 52. And I'm getting blocked all three of his PATs. Uh, exact game that you caught, I, I, I think you they probably didn't want him to get that much work, cons- no, it, it, considering uh, how frequently they were able to turn Illinois over. Uh, but I thought he had himself a very good football game. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a joke. Uh, it's really cool that uh, Penn State's kicker. Uh, doubled uh, Pitt's total points, uh, and we'll leave that at that. Um, he's gonna—he's good. He's a great player. I think he's a guy who's really going to be an asset for them in the long run, and that's a great job by Stacey Collins and that unit for identifying uh-huh. a talented specialist in the transfer portal. That's a great find. We I love that he goes out there, and Falcons can— you know, the 45-yarder would have cleared with room. You know, Duzanski's snaps had to get down a little bit, I thought. Rowie Thompson did a great job holding there, too, so— you know, got to give credit where credit's due. That was a good game for that unit overall, I thought. Yeah, you, I, I don't know uh, what his career long was at Columbia. ESPN just doesn't have that pulled up uh, right here. But on the season, four for five on field goals with his one miss being that block, 14 for 14 on PATs. Uh, a lot of season left. We'll we'll see how he how the season goes along for him, but an encouraging performance from him. Uh, what did you think of the penalties? Because Penn State, seven penalties, 70 yards. Uh, I don't have how many they had by half pulled up. Let me uh, mm-hmm. let me see if I can do that really quickly. They had uh one, they had the Olu penalty in the first half. They had the Ellie's uh, personal foul, the Lambert Smith personal the, foul, Ellie's personal foul, Lambert Smith personal foul. Um, but yeah, they they had a couple of pretty backbreaking penalties. Mm-hmm. I thought in the first half. Uh. I'll be 100% honest with you, Matt. I thought that this game was essentially going to come down to, in the second half, <laughs> what is going to be the more sustainable problem? Or what is going mm-hmm. to be the fix, problem that gets fixed? Penn State shooting itself in the foot with penalties or Illinois turning the ball over? And it turns out the answer was Penn State was able to fix its penalty woes. Illinois was able not able to stop turning the ball over, and as a result, thirty to thirteen win. Are, were were you uh, concerned about the penalties? Because I thought, uh, I thought the personal fouls, especially, were just really, really soft. Yeah, they were weak. I don't know if the Big Ten's trying to like rein it in. I don't know what that was. Uh, you know, penalties are things you can clean up. This isn't like a historical problem under James Franklin. Franklin's teams yeah. are usually pretty disciplined penalty wise. So I'm not really worried about it just yet. But you know, clean it up. Let's get it right for Iowa. Uh, if you notice that a ref is going to be very flag happy uh, in terms of activities a- after the whistle, I think Franklin is going to have this team quickly learn to shut up and get back in the huddle or shut up and get back <laughs> get back in the offense. 
uh, and that, that'll come. So I'm not worried about it. No, I think it's a one-off. Yeah, let's see. Um, trying to pull it up here. First quarter, Penn State had, where are we at on penalties? Penn State didn't commit a penalty in the first quarter. It appears second quarter, three penalties for 30 yards. On the day, they had seven for 40. So there were probably one or two. There, there would have been one impactful one in the second uh, mm-hmm. half. But generally, yeah, I don't I don't have too terribly much concern there. Uh, let's move to game balls. Who gets your offensive game ball? Who gets your defensive game ball? Bill, I think you know the only person who can receive the uh, the offensive game ball. He's the number one pick. I think people really do forget that. <laughs> uh, and he had he caught all three of his targets. He caught a touchdown. Great footwork. Great body control. He caught a third down conversion from Drew Aller with his hands. Uh, it's Tyler Warren. Shout out to Tyler Warren. That dude, Theo Johnson is very clearly being covered up really well by defensive coordinators, and Tyler Warren's taking advantage. So offensive game ball goes to Tyler Warren for me. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm going to give it to Katron Allen. That's a great uh, he one. He didn't have like a monster game or anything like that, but I thought his ability to just churn out a couple of yards. You know, he gets that uh, first touchdown of the game by essentially running through in the Illinois defender. I didn't think anyone on Penn State's offense had an especially like great game, but I thought Katron Allen was probably the closest to like what you want out of him. 13 carries, 54 yards, a touchdown, 4.2 yards per carry, one reception for 90 yards. He had a very fine day on a day where nobody on Penn State's offense had a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to give it to him. And then uh, moving to the defensive side of the football, who are you giving it to? I was torn here, but I think I have to give it to Keziah Izzard for being disruptive okay. in his return. That's a different gear. I think he can really help this team. Uh, I really wanted to give this ball over to KJ Winston because I think he played really well. But, you know, a lot of safeties really shined, I thought. So Keziah Izzard gets it for me, I think, for being the defensive tackle who I think had the best game. Yeah, I, I'm giving it to Daquan Hardy. Uh, just Great for one. his. You know, you, I, you can give it to just everyone who got an interception. Yeah. On the day, but I'm I'm giving it to Daquan Hardy. First game of the season, uh, hadn't been able to play to start the year, and he's out there for Penn State. Didn't look like he missed a beat. He he's went running routes there. for receivers, dude. He looked yeah, good. he went he went up there and was able to pick the ball off against a guy who's six two, uh, in Casey Washington. Just went up, made a play on the ball, came down with it. Uh, was you know, just look great. And I think if you're able to add that dimension with what we know Penn State has in Johnny Dixon and Kalen King, Kalen King, I didn't think had uh, his best game of the season by any stretch of the imagination. But if you add him to that equation, it makes Penn State secondary a little more ferocious. Uh, mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick shout out, as I'm sure you would like to do, uh, to Cam Miller. Dude. Because I noticed on his interception that after he got it, all of his teammates were stoked. He gets the ball. He runs right over to Penn State fans and he's just swarmed by his teammates. And the you noticed something in uh in watching watching the reaction to that as well that I actually didn't notice on my first watch. Yeah, Manny Diaz loses his mind on that one. I don't know why that one felt different. Like it's not like that was as big it's not like that moment was as big as like the Hardy one or the Johnny Dixon one. But Diaz like rips his headset off and just starts sprinting the other way and fist pumping like a madman. I don't know if it's like the Florida connection, but Cam Miller gets a lot of praise from this coaching staff. He's a, like a Nick Scott, Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland kind of guy who just plays on special teams and takes advantage of his opportunities on defense. And I'm rooting for Cam Miller. That was a cool moment. Yeah, that was the the final interception Penn State got 
on the day, 35 seconds left in the third quarter on the third and 19, just goes up, make you know, makes a play, and everyone on every single person seemed to lose their mind on that, which is always always cool seeing. That would have uh, that was his first interception of his uh, Penn State career, remember? Yep. Yeah. So like, I will say, really it was pretty good funny. to see that out of him. Bill and yeah. I uh, put in the Slack. I'm like, I can't tell if he's in or not. And you just go, there's never been a person more in on an interception. And I didn't have my glasses on during during that yeah. part of the game. So I honestly couldn't see. I could not tell if he caught yeah. it or not. So uh, on rewatch, uh, when I had my glasses on, it was nice to see that that was very clearly a pick. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, final thing that we're going to talk about here today. Uh, we'll do a full Iowa preview a little bit later in the week. But as of right now, We'll just do an early vibe check. Uh, 7.30 p.m. kick on CBS. Iowa coming off of a 41-10 win over Western Michigan to move to 3-0 on the season. Uh, just early on, before we really get a chance to dive into Iowa, Matt, how you feeling about that game? How you feeling about Iowa coming into Happy Valley? Uh, whiteout situation. Uh, should be an incredible environment. And... Uh, I, I think Penn State is already open as a pretty considerable favorite, but I will I will double check that while you're talking. Thirteen and a half. I just checked it myself right now. It's a thirteen okay. and a half point favorite for Penn State. James Franklin's petty. We've known this. I think the Pitt <laughs> game is an example of this. Uh, if you remember back, uh, Michigan State 2015, where Mark D'Antonio uh, led an offensive lineman score in a blowout. I think mm-hmm. Franklin mm-hmm. threw it a lot more often in that 2016 blowout for Penn State than he would have otherwise. James Franklin's very petty. I think James Franklin understands uh, the state of Iowa and the state of the Iowa program. Brian yeah. Ferentz, I think, scored a garbage time touchdown here in anticipation uh, of what I think Penn State is planning on doing to the Hawkeyes this week. I I think if Franklin can drop, uh, you know, 50 on their heads, I don't think he can. That's too good of a defense. I would not shock me if uh, James Franklin runs a play on... Um, late in the fourth quarter to try to get that score a little bit uh, a little bit higher up. So Iowa, I think, looks fine. Their offense is now on pace for 25 points a game. Good for them. Uh, I think Luke Lashy or Lashy, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his last yeah. name, looks like he's going to be out. That sucks. I never want mm-hmm. a guy to be hurt, especially a guy that talented. Uh, but I think Penn State is going to try to destroy Iowa in the best way possible. Yeah, I, uh, Luke Lashy, uh, ten receptions, one hundred and thirty-one yards. He's their top receiver. He's a good ball player, year. dude. That dude, that dude, is a he's really pro. good. That dude's a player, really man. good. And yeah, I, it doesn't seem like Iowa is going to have him uh, heading into next week. I think this is this is a really really good test for Drew Aller. I think mm-hmm. Penn State's defense is going to be fine. I think Kay mm-hmm. McNamara on the year, uh, 38 for 71, 53.5 completion percentage, 40, 417 yards, 5.9 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three interceptions, been sacked six times. I think Penn State's defense should be able to rack up havoc plays against this Iowa team. They have a good mm-hmm. couple of running backs in LaShawn uh, Williams and uh, Jay-Z and Patterson. Williams, 19 carries, 164 yards, 8.6 yards per carry. Yet to find the end zone. Uh, Patterson, 21, 104, and one score. I think, uh, yeah, Williams really ran it up, ran up, ran it up against uh, Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patterson got that, got that opportunity to do it against Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I think Penn State's defense should be able to just put a vice grip on them. For Drew Aller, this is an interesting test because one thing you might not know about this Iowa team against three very bad teams: Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan. They've recorded three sacks on the season. 
I don't have their tackle for loss numbers either. Uh, three sacks, two interceptions. They're not getting the kind of havoc plays that you might expect out of Iowa. They're going to play Iowa defense. They're going to have, they're going to be playing that cover two, trying to take away the deep ball. Everyone paying attention to where the football is. Everyone trying to limit the damage that Penn State's offense is going to be able to make against them. And I want to see Drew Aller say, okay, you're trying to take all that away from me. I will just take what you're giving me. I will take a seven-yard completion to Keandre Lambert-Smith. I will take a little dump off to one of my tight ends. I'll get it to one of my running backs and give them four, a four-yard head start before anyone gets even near them. And I think if Penn State is able to show that they have that in their offense and Drew Aller is able to get in a rhythm doing that, I think this has the potential to be a really fun game. Uh, but we'll have to wait to see. Uh, where are you going to be watching this one? I don't know yet. There's a lot of really fun games on next Saturday, so I'm debating. I went to the bar for the West Virginia game, but it was really crowded. It was really jam-packed, uh, which is if fine. It's it just like it, I, I like to watch like a lot of... I like to really take a deep dive when I watch the games. Like, I like to be by myself. I like to focus in. So TBD, I don't know if I go to the bar or if I'm going to watch this one at home. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I will be going to the uh, where the alumni chapter in Boston nice. watches, which is where I watched the Aub- the first Auburn game. Nice. And boy, I'm, I'm just ready, man. Yeah. I'm ready for this game. I'm ready to see the whiteout. I don't think I was especially good, but I think this has the potential to be a really fun uh Really fun afternoon for Penn State football. Uh, but of course, Agreed. we'll talk more about Iowa as the week goes on. Uh, Matt, do you have any any final thoughts before we send the people on their way for this uh, the uh, early part of this week? Don DeLuca, special teams, um, <laughs> kick coverage tackle again. I'm going to call it every out, every time I see it. Uh, shout out to Don DeLuca. Yes, obviously. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for this edition of the podcast. Everyone, thank you as always for listening. Make sure you are following us over on Twitter at RLR blog, uh, where I'm going to spend the rest of this week talking gobs of trash about that abominable <laughs> display by Pittsburgh football yesterday. Go that way. They they complained so much about how Penn State won't play them. And then they go out and do that against a West Virginia team that Penn State was able to drag around. Like just God, what a what a what a funny football program! Look, Pat Narduzzi may have called Pat Narduzzi may have called Penn State a one-word offense. Uh, I can't call Pitt a one-touchdown offense, so you know we'll leave it leave it at that. God, uh, yeah, just uh, I- I'm glad that he was so scarred by Jordan Addison deciding he wanted to play for Lincoln Riley that he gave up on the concept of throwing the football. Uh, but that's for another day. RLR blog on Twitter. Make sure you're following us. Uh, subscribing wherever you go and get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Spotify has this new question uh, feature, so if you're using it over there, send us questions there. We'll happily uh, use an opportunity to talk about any at all things Nittany Lion football. Uh, make sure you're following us, like us, subscribe over on YouTube, uh, video podcast there, hop into the comments, talk about Penn State football over there. And of course, one last time, thank you very much to uh, to our fine friends over at Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast for your first order, RLR23, as the promo code to get 10% off. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.